0: straight Talk from israel you're listening to israel news talk radio
1: hello and welcome to news from the torah today is the fourth day of the hebrew month of shvat the fifth of january and yes, our show has moved from Sundays to Wednesdays. This is Leah Roni with news from the Torah. This week we're reading the Torah portion of Bo, in which the Jewish people are leaving Egypt after the 10 plagues. And on this show, I would like all of us to understand what is it that the exile, and the exodus from Egypt symbolize in our personal lives. How we can take the story of the redemption from Egypt and apply it to our own redemption from the Egypt, from the constraints, from the problems that plague our lives. How we understand the process of redemption and how we can apply it to get rid of all the issues that are plaguing us. To do that, we will use the introduction to the templates that actually was introduced by the Torah the previous week, the four languages of redemption. The four languages of redemption are the central theme of Passover and of the redemption. And what we will do in the, on the show is go over the four languages and understand how each one, how each term that God uses in describing the process of redemption is a step in the process of our own personal redemption. Because Egypt is the prototype for every kind of sorrow. The word Egypt in in Hebrew is Mitzrayim. It comes from the root of Tsar, of a narrow place. And so the four languages of redemption signify how each one of us can come out of our own narrow places. And what's the process from growing from a place of narrowness to a place of expansion, how we can understand the process of leaving our own Egypt for the redemption and ultimately for the promised land. So stay tuned on the show where we'll be right back after these messages.
0: Israel is located in one of those volatile areas in the world. Israel is an island of stability in a sea of war and unrest. In the midst of this turmoil, Israel stands out as a beacon of order and human progress. Each week we update you on what's happening in this, the Jewish state, a true light unto the nations.
1: This is Jay Shapiro. Join me every Thursday on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back. So as promised, on this show, we will use the four languages of redemption to understand the process of redemption from Egypt and by extension, the process of redemption in every generation for the general Jewish people, for the entire world, but also for every single one of us. Because every single one of us faces an Egypt, a mitzvahim, a place in which we personally feel enslaved to common dogmas, to trends, to fashions, or to our own thinking patterns and our own behaviors and routines that are keeping us enslaved in a situation, in a reality that is not optimal or functional or best, that does not allow us to use the full gamut of our abilities and make the most of our existence in this world. So we all have this narrowness, this mitzvahim, and we want to understand what's the process of expanding our space? What is the process of expanding our psychological and spiritual space and going from a place of darkness and construction to a place of light and expansion? So when God introduces the templates and the process of the redemption, and this actually appears in the previous week's Torah portion. In Chapter Eight in Exodus, he says the following: "And I have now heard the moaning of the Israelites because the Egyptians are holding them in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the Israelite people: I am the Lord, and I will free you from the labors of the Egyptians, and deliver you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched hand and through extraordinary chastisements, and I will take you to be my people." And I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord. I am your God who freed you from the labors of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land, which I swore to give to Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. So we have four languages of redemption. The first one, I will free you from the labors of the Egyptians. The second, so the second one is, I will deliver you from their bondage. The third one, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. And then the fourth one, I will take you to be my people. Now, actually, there is also the fifth language, I will bring you into the land which I swore. So, these are four or five parts of the deliverance process. Now, we need to understand that in the Torah and in our spiritual tradition, when something is divided into four, that shows the process, the makeup of what is this made up of. So anytime we see four of anything, it signifies that this is the makeup of this thing, this trend, this process. And when we have five of something, that means that this is how it's done. Four is what it is made out of, and five is how is this practically applied. So the fifth language is bringing the Jewish people into the land of Israel. This is how the Jewish people will live out its mission. But the previous four languages are the how the process of the deliverance is constructed. What is it made out of? And it's very important to understand it because it really signifies the steps in each and every one of our lives redemption from our narrow places so let's start with the first one that i would like to cover in this segment and we will go on to the other ones in the coming segments Um, the first language of redemption is um, i will free you from the labors of the egyptians and the chazal our sages say that in egypt The Jewish people were like a calf in the womb of a cow, like an animal fetus in the womb of an animal. Now, we need to understand the significance of that. Fetus in the womb really doesn't have a consciousness of its own. It has a life of its own, but not a consciousness of its own. It's completely closed off from all sides. It doesn't see anything. It doesn't hear anything. It doesn't have any access to an outside world it's in the womb, but it's closed off there, and it gets all of its sustenance from the mother. Now, Chazal did not compare the Jewish people to a human child in the womb, but to an animal fetus in the womb. Why is that? Because a human child has the potential for its own consciousness, and when it will be born, it will have its own life its own consciousness its own outlook its own understanding a human child is not an extension of its parents but an animal is always an extension of its previous generation baby cow that is born will be exactly like the mother cow it was born from it doesn't have any new consciousness the hebrew word for an animal behemah is translated or divided as ba-ma. What you see is what you get. There's nothing internal there. Animals are driven by instincts. So you can pretty much know how an animal will react to any situation because animals are driven by instincts and they're predictable. They don't have a consciousness and they have no choice. The Jewish people, in initial stages of their enslavement before they were redeemed were just like that. They were completely, completely submerged in the Egyptian culture to the extent that they had no consciousness of their own, no perception of their own, no will of their own, no understanding of their own. They literally could not see beyond the Egyptian culture. And this is very um, similar to how we function in certain areas of our life. In certain areas of our life, we have no perception or possibility or imagination of things that could be different. There's certain parts of our life, both in the society and in our own uh, perception of the world, that we can't even imagine that things could be different. It's not even an issue, it's not something that is even on our radar. For example, you wake up in the morning, and you wear certain clothes. You don't wear the clothes of other cultures. For example, nobody in the Western world wears a jalabia, the clothes that are worn in the Arab world. Why? It's not even on the radar. It's not on the screen. It's not even a possibility. It's not even something you would ever consider wearing. It's not something you have heard of or seen somebody else dressed that way. It's not a possibility for you some other issues, there are certain things in our perception that we can't even imagine that it would, could be different. And therefore, sometimes when we're stuck, it is because there is another possibility, another way of being that we can't even fathom. It's not even on our screen. It's not on our radar. But that's the most important thing to understand. If something is not working in your life and you look around and you don't see a solution, That means that there is a solution, but it is beyond your reach. You can't see it because you're closed off in this bubble, just like a child is closed off in the womb. So only somebody from the outside can help you. There's a statement in our sages that a prisoner cannot let himself out of prison. In a similar way, when we're imprisoned in certain thoughts or understandings or outlooks, we can't let ourselves out because we don't even know we're imprisoned because we don't know that there's a different reality. And here you need somebody else to come and help you. And this is why the first language of redemption is: I will free you from the labor of the Egyptians. Hutzeti means taking you out. So God really needs to take you take us out of this perception to break the mold. Because we cannot break the mold from the inside. We need somebody to come from the outside and break the mold and help us get out. And this is the first step. The first step was for God to actually shake up the Egyptian world so hard that there is a crack. And then from that crack, the light can come in. And this is true in our own life as well. Sometimes we really face crises and challenges where we see a whole world shatter. But that's the only way to get us out of this mold, out of this closeness, out of this Mitzrayim, out of this darkness. And to make us see that there is actually a different world and different possibility beyond what we have known until now. This is the point of all the crises. The Hebrew word for crisis is Mashber. Mashber is actually a stone that in ancient times a woman would be sitting on during labor. Crisis is always a birth of something new, of new potential, new reality, new possibilities. And yes, it's painful and it's hard and it's sometimes heartbreaking, but the point of every crisis is to break our molds and to let us go from something constricted to something more open. In Hebrew, we say, I'm going out of my mind. But you say that in English as well. And my teacher, Rachel Arbus, very often says, you go out from one mind to go into a more expanded mind. But you can't go to the expanded mind before you leave the constricted mind. So the first step of every redemption is to actually break the mold and break this place where we can't even fathom that there could be a different reality to make us understand that something has to change. Something has to be different. So that's the first step in the process of redemption. And from here, we'll go on to the next step, the step of actually understanding that we are in bondage. It's not something we always understand. So we'll talk about that in the next segment, right after we come back. Don't go anywhere. And during this break, I challenge you to start thinking, what are some of the places of restriction in your old life that you would like to break out of? Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: The Tamar Yona Show.
1: Tamar, she's sassy.
0: She's smart. She's funny. But she's also a real Jewish mother. Hi everybody, I'm Tamar Yona, and yes, I can be all of those things, but at Israel News Talk Radio, I'm here to bring you the news stories and guests that you may not hear anywhere else. Join me live on air Sundays, Mondays, and Tuesdays for the most unique and bold talk radio in Israel. The Tamar Yona Show.
1: welcome back so during the first segment we discussed the first stage in any deliverance a stage during which a person doesn't even know can fathom that can be a different reality doesn't have a consciousness that is separate from the consciousness of the world around him and it's important to understand that in the western world we are jews but we are immersed in this western culture and in many ways our thinking reflects the western culture we can't even imagine that there is another way of looking at the world. The second stage after that is the stage where God says, I'm going to save you from their bondage. And this is the second stage in the redemption process where you do have a separate consciousness, just like a slave has a consciousness that is separate from the consciousness of his master. But the slave doesn't have and your will that is separate from the will of his master. And the slave basically just does what he or she is told to do. Every day, day in, day out, they're a different person, they're a separate person, they're not their master, they don't have the same consciousness, but they don't have a will and they don't have a way. This is how it is. How many times have you heard in your life, this is just how things are there's nothing to do about it we can't change this when i gave this class recently to a group of women one of the women said look you have to get up and go to work every day nobody asked you if you like it or you don't this is just how things are you have to accept it so there are many things in our life both vis-a-vis the general society But all in our own personal lives, will we accept that this is just how things are? And this is a true meaning of slavery. Because if this is how things are, and you have no way of changing that, that means you're accepting an external dictatorship on your life. Somebody is dictating you how things are. Because no, actually, things don't have to be this way. But we just accept that this is how things are. And as long as we do, we cannot see a different possibility. A few years ago, I was following a frugality newsletter. And in this letter, a woman wrote that she tried to minimize her expenses as much as she could because she wanted to see what's the minimal income that she can live on. At a certain point, she realized that she can live on, hear this, $13,000 a year she found a way to make do with $13,000 a year. Obviously, that's very frugal and very restricting. And I don't recommend that anybody does this. I actually think we have to be in expansion mode and in abundance mode, not in frugality mode. But this woman shared that she actually found that very liberating because once she understood that she can live on $13,000 a year, then she understood that she doesn't need to do anything that the outside society tells her to do. She doesn't need to go and buy a big house. She doesn't need to go and have the newest car. She doesn't need to go out and work 9 to 5. She doesn't have to do all these things. She can do whatever it takes to earn $13,000, which probably can be earned without so much effort. And then the rest of her time is hers to spend any way she wants. And she's free to do whatever she wants with her time. So that's one way of looking at things. Through this frugality, she understood that she's not enslaved to the world. She can actually choose now where to spend more time to earn money and what to earn it for and what to spend it on. And now she doesn't have to do it. She can choose to do it. And that's where we free ourselves from bondage. So I want to ask you, What are some of the things that you think this is just how things are? You don't understand, you don't realize that they could be different. What was the last time you said, look, this is just how things are. We have to accept it. We have to put up with this. Is there a neighbor who says things? Is there a school teacher who says this? Is there your boss who says this? Is there a public official who says this? Who are the people in your life who are telling you what to do and you're just accepting it because this is how things are? They don't have to be this way. There is no such thing as this is how things are. They can always be different because choice, the freedom of choice is the most important principle in Jewish thought. God brought us here to make choices, and every single moment of our life is a choice. Now, sometimes there are things that as much as we want to change them, this is just how they are. For example, you may have a special child, or you may have a parent who is no longer functional, and you just have to take care of them. This is how things are. But even in that place, we have a choice. We have a choice of doing it because we choose to, or we have a choice of doing it because we have to. I know this sounds semantic, but there's a big difference in how we approach things when we think we have to do it, when we think we want to do it, or we choose to do it. Because guess what? There are people out in that world that who do not take care of their elderly parents, There are people in this world who do not take care of their children. There are people in this world that do not step up to the plate and do not take care of things they don't want to take care of. Yes, I know you don't want to be that person. You want to be an elevated person, a person of principle who does the right thing. But you don't have to do it. You are choosing to do it. It's a choice. And giving you the understanding that this is a choice and this is something you're doing because you are a good person, because you're a person of character, because you're a person of principle, can change your whole outlook from the outlook of sorrow, outlook of frustration, outlook of resentment, to an outlook of this is what I'm doing because I'm leaving my values. I heard a beautiful um, definition of discipline. It's putting aside what you want now in order to do what you want most. I think what we want most is to be people of character and people of principle. And therefore, when you choose to do something that seems like a situation that there is nothing to do about, give yourself the credit for being disciplined to do what you want most to live up to your own values and principles i think it can really change the way you look at yourself at the situation and at your life in general so no there's no such thing as this is how things are if this is how things are they can either be changed or we can give ourselves credit for putting up with the situation because we live by certain principles and it's very important for me to note that if this is how things are is an abusive situation that you are in if you're in a situation where things are not the way they should be and you are not in a relationship that is healthy for you then no it doesn't have to be this way you can get up and leave there is a world beyond that hurtful relationship that her full reality. A friend of mine told me that she got divorced from abusive husband and went to live in an empty apartment with no possibility to um, make money, or so, so she thought, and with her two children. But then she felt liberated and free. And guess what? She survived. She went on to make a living and she actually made, went on to remarry and have a beautiful new family. So there's no such thing, and this is how things are. There's always a choice. There's always a way to make things different. And there are people out there who are willing to help you, who want to help you, who want to be on your side and change your reality. So please reach out to them. You probably hear those voices. You probably hear people saying, come, come out, we'll help you. But there's a voice inside of you that says, this is how things are. That voice is always the voice of our lesser side, of our evil side, that just wants us to stay in our constriction, in our Egypt. Don't let it. So from here, we go on to the next stage. After we leave the place of so we can't even fathom a different reality, to where we say this is how things are, there is a breaking point between those two. And that breaking point is the Sigh. God says that he starts the uh, redemption process when the Jewish people sighed, when he heard them sigh and he heard their voice finally. There's a place in every reality when you sigh, when you say, oh, I can't take this anymore. I don't want to take this anymore. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in this reality. It takes us to voice a complaint, to voice a a wish for something different, to voice a reality that could be different for God to redeem us. And this is where redemption starts because the next language is the language of redemption. Redemption starts when we want to be redeemed, when we strive and yearn for something new, for something different, for something better when we finally start understanding that, yes, I'm enslaved to this, and it doesn't have to be this way. And we'll talk all about that right after the break. What happens when you finally understand that things do not have to be this way, that things can be better, things can be different? This is where true redemption starts. Stay put. We'll be right back after these messages.
0: In a time where feelings have become fact, where rational thought and
1: common sense has disappeared, one man stands above it all.
0: I'm Howie Sobiker, your political hitman. Political Hitman airs every Tuesday at 11.59 p.m. North American time, 7 a.m. Israeli time, only on Israel News Talk Radio. Are you interested in transforming your life, drawing closer to the Creator, and uncovering the deeper meanings and hidden treasures in the Hebrew Bible? Then join me, Rav Yitzhak Michelson, and me, William Hall, on the Science of Kabbalah, where we are seeking to narrow the gap between what we understand of our physical and spiritual worlds. So make sure to tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Israel Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, here on Israel News Talk Radio.
1: Welcome back. So yes, we're here for the third and final segment of this episode as we're talking about the four languages of redemption, the four stages of every redemption. And as we said at the end of the previous segment, true redemption starts at the third point where we finally sigh, when we finally speak up, when we finally understand that this does not have to be this way. We want something different. And in the language of the Torah, the Torah says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. This is when redemption starts. It is a point in which we are still stuck. We are still enslaved. We still cannot act differently. We can't do things differently. We're still in slavery. But the difference is that now we realize that. We'll realize that something or somebody is enslaving us. We'll realize that somebody is making our life more difficult or something is making our life more difficult. We'll realize that something is not straight, something is not right, and we want to change it. So I think I don't have to say a lot to understand that there is something very wrong in our reality right now. There, there are all kinds of elements that are happening around us that are making our life much more difficult. In Israel, in the past couple of weeks, there has been complete chaos in how the government is handling the entire corona debacle with changing guidelines and changing rules every single second. So people actually just do what they want. It sounds like and looks like the government completely lost it. And this is when people start to understand. It doesn't have to be this way. And we don't have to be enslaved. We do not have to be ruled by these capricious principles and guidelines and rules that don't make any epidemiological sense and not doing anything to rein corona in. That's the step, but that's the part when you start to understand that you do not have to be enslaved. And in our personal lives, Yes, there's also that point where we say, I've had enough. Enough is enough. I don't want to be in this situation anymore. I want to make a change. And this is where the true redemption starts. Because from there, we can go to the fourth stage of actually making a difference. Of actually leaving our Egypt. Of creating a better life for ourselves. What is that better life? What is that fourth and final stage of redemption? That's where God says, I'm going to take you to be my people. When we join God to become his people, that's true redemption. Every redemption in the end is a connection to God. This language of I will take you to be my people is one of the languages that is used, one of the words that is used to connote a marriage. A marriage is when two people take each other to be theirs. It's when we become one with somebody else. We enter into a relationship to become one. And this is the kind of relationship we want to have with God when we are connected. The relationship with God is a very important point, probably one of the most critical points of Judaism. Like the ancient traditions of paganism that were multiple, there were multiple idols, but they were also transactional, where you had to give the um, idol something in order to receive something back. Judaism is all about a relationship. And unfortunately, I know that some people see Judaism as transactional as well. I will do this mitzvah, I will do this commandment, I will say this prayer, I will be a good boy or girl, and therefore God will give me everything I want, some of the things that I want, or will protect me. But Judaism is not transactional. Judaism is all about a relationship. This is what God wants. He wants us to understand that He is the only thing that there is, that the entire world It's just a reflection of God's glory, that the world and God are not separate. The word God, one of the words we use for the name of God, Elohim, also means in gematria, in numerical value, hateva, nature. Nature is a reflection of God's will. This whole world is a reflection of God's will, and nothing in this world moves without God willing it to everything we'll see around ourselves are pictures, are situations that God is crafting and designing specifically for us, for each and every one of us to live up to our potential, to live up to our possibility. God is guiding every single one of us, every single second on a path to play out our unique mission in the world. And if we understand that, if we are constantly connected to God, the more we are connected to God, the less we are scared of and influenced by other things going on in the world. The more you're connected to God, the less you're afraid of somebody hurting you. The more you're connected to God, the more brave you are and courageous you are to speak up and speak your truth. The more connected to God you are, the less you are afraid of rocking the boat and getting out of slavery. Because in the end of days, the only thing that can enslave you is fear. When you're afraid of circumstances, people, of what they can do to you. But if you're connected to God, they can't do anything to you. Because you have God on your side every single moment. So yes, the path out of every single slavery, out of every single narrow place, is being connected to God and understanding that in the end, it is His will that we are doing. I might have shared this in a different show, but a few months ago, I was in charge of putting together an event over Passover for many, many families that wanted to... uh, create a new path here in the land of Israel where we live between two communities. It's a place that people are afraid to go to. It's a place that people are afraid to um, walk around because it is outside the community and there are Arabs around, so people are afraid of doing that. And we wanted to create a new nature walk that would let people walk between two communities. So to do that, we have to get authorizations from the army, from uh, the medical services, many, many authorizations. And what happened was that each one of us was, f- was referring us to a different one. There was a lot of bureaucracy to take care of. And here we are on the eve of the event, and I'm seeing that nothing is falling into place. And I did my best, but f- things just not happening. So as I was standing to pray Mincha, the afternoon prayer, I said, God, look, this is not my project. This is your project. I'm doing this for you. It's your land of Israel, it's your holiday, it's your people. We're doing this because we think this is what you want to do. I've done my best. You take the keys and you take this from here on because I don't know how to make this happen, so you've got to do this. And guess what? Within half an hour, I got a phone call from one bureaucrat who gave me his authorization, and from there, another bureaucrat who gave me his authorization. And within two hours, the whole thing was done and spoken for. We can only do the best we can. And this is what God expects us to do, to do the best we can. What is my part in this? And then understand that we are not responsible for the outcomes. We're not responsible for success. We do what we can and we let God take care of the rest. And from my experience, he usually does. If you do your part and you really, really feel that you have faith in that God is on your side and God was going to be with you in this. He usually is and he makes things happen. But it's not something you know in your mind. It is something you feel in your bones. It's the certainty you have that things will play out in a certain way. And you can actually get there by meditating about this and thinking about this and imagining and seeing it in your mind's eye. There's nothing more powerful for making things happen than seeing them happen in your mind's eye. So that's where we create reality. And from there, reality happens on the ground. So the fourth language of redemption is, I will take you to be my people. And what would it take for us to be God's people? What would it take for you to be a God person, a God's person? what would that look like? What are you afraid of today that you need to let go of and understand that God is going to be with you on that? Who are the people who are making you scared and you do the things you don't want to do but that you can find the courage to do if you know that God is on your side? This is the real redemption. This is the real freedom when nobody and nothing can tell us what to do against the will of God, against our values, against our principles, against our outlooks. This is what real freedom looks like. And then the fifth language of redemption is coming to the promised land, coming to the land of Israel where we can actually live our values and make them a reality and make them into a shining lighthouse that shows the rest of the world what a perfect society looks like and makes them want to join? What is that place where you can live your reality and shine a light that will attract other people and give them the courage to live their values, to be redeemed as well? Thank you so much for joining me on the show. It was a real pleasure. And I'm looking forward to seeing you again, once again, on Wednesdays instead of Sundays in the coming weeks these were News from the Torah, and I'm Leah Roni. Have a great Shabbat, and I will see you next week. Bye-bye.